Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Well, I've just been sent a Stackwaddy quiz uh, from John Montagna uh, in New York, and uh, I'm going to try it on you, Dave. Good. So it's six Paul McCartney pseudonyms, one of which is The Ringer. Oh. Was it... Okay, here are the six, okay. Ian Iokmo. That's Ian Iokmo. The second is Apollo C. Vermouth. Go on. Third is Clint Harrigan. Come on. Fourth is Billy Martin. Right. Fifth is Eric Montague. And the sixth one is Bernard Webb. Can Bernard, you spot Bernard, the ring? Bernard Webb is real because that was the. I, I, I'm going to bore you with some. No, uh, go on. Additional trivia. Bernard Webb is the. I think he wrote the first Peter and Gordon hit, "World Without Love." as Paul McCartney. And therefore, the story was, could they possibly repeat the success if, if people didn't know it was Paul McCartney? And so the next record, Woman, was written by Bernard Webb. That's absolutely who, right. He was actually Paul McCartney. That's right. Uh, Apollo C. Vermouth is the name under which he produced I'm the Urban Space. That's Man absolutely by, correct. By Bonzo Dog. It was Man. reasonably well known. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, God, now, the other ones? Give me the other ones. The other ones are Ian Iokmo. That that means nothing to me at all. Clint Harrigan. Clint Harrigan rings a distant bell. Yes, it does ring a bell to me, too. And if it was the name he used to write the liner notes for the Wings Wildlife album. Uh, OK, right. In this rapper is the music they made. Can you dig it? Etc. So that one's real. Billy Martin. So we're down to Billy Martin, Eric Montague and Ian Iokmo. Billy Martin sounds like a made-up name. Um, Ian Montague sounds like a made-up name. So that just leaves us with the one that was first. Ian Iokmo. Yeah. No, actually, that's not. No, no, okay. no. Ian Iokmo was real. The pseudonym he used when contributing to the International Times. Oh, right. Uh, published by the Indica Gallery. And uh, it also apparently sounds like his name backwards. I'm not going to try okay. and work that out off the top of my head. So, no, that's real. As is Billy Martin, which is the he had some secret recording sessions at EMI and Morgan Studios for the McCartney album. They were all booked under that name. No, the ringer is Eric Montague. There was no Eric Montague. But they're good, aren't they? 
very well, good word. That's a very well invented one. There, that is. It you is the, the trick in doing a stack Waddy game is to make sure that your ringer sounds plausible. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing to do. Eric Montague does sound like the kind. Of, That'll do. It's a little That'll bit arch. Do. It sounds like a little bit clever. It sounds like somebody he was at school with or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that he borrowed. So that's, that's very it. good. In other news, I should just report if you're um, if you're one of our birthday Patreon supporters, you may have seen we did a we did a birthday chat with Phil Turner the other week, and Phil works in the horse racing business. I won't say he gave us a tip from the stables. He wasn't that. Tip. I don't think it was from the stables, but he gave us a tip, and good God, it won. It won. I know, Midnight I know. Jewel. <laughs> Actually, I'm a real fool for that kind of thing. If somebody gives me a tip, I nearly always put money on, because I think then, there's not my brother-in-law is, is, is well in the horse racing business. He owns some horse races, her horses. And uh, uh, whenever he, he bets, I always think I must bet, because I can't lose. Because if I lose, if I win, great, unlikely. But if I lose, I get my money's worth just taking the piss out of him and making his life miserable for ever suggesting in the first place. So there we so, are. So the question for the Massive this week, which you can respond to in your own time, is which rock stars are involved with the horse racing game in any form? Who's got a leg of a, you know, of a, of a, of a horse? And um, you know, who's, who's got a number of horses in training? or Who bets in a big way? So obviously Steve Harley used to be a very, very... Yeah, big he did. Very big racing man, didn't he? I don't know if he still is. I think he still is, actually. Uh, but if you've got anything to add, uh, get in touch. Usual address. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. We were talking recently to Paul Gorman about his book about the music press. Yeah. And we're saying what a strange thing it is that we all remember things written in the music press from many, many years ago, even though we have great difficulty remembering anything we were taught at school or, uh, you know, all kinds of things that are far closer to us. But we can always reel off quotes from... Uh, I was thinking the other day about, um, about I think, Nick Kent, in a review of Joni Mitchell record in, in the 70s, said, I, I don't like... I don't like Patty Smith, that bawling harridan with her jive muse. That's right. It was really stuck in my mind. Anyway, things like this really stick in your mind. Charles Shaw Murray with The Clash. The, the kind of yeah. garage band that should be locked in the garage with the engine left on. Isn't that yes. right? Yeah, yeah with the motor running, I think. Motor yeah, running, anyway. yeah. So, But anyway, um, and we were talking also to, to Paul about the little magazine Let It Rock that only sold about four copies. But, you know, I was one of the people who bought them and I've met everybody else who bought them. This is a magazine that kind of, <laughs> kind of I wouldn't say flourish, but it, it, yeah, was just, it yeah. hung, hung on for about a couple of years or something in the mid-70s and was very much a kind of forerunner of the likes of Mojo and, and Uncut, but years before its time and in an, era where, in an era where there was no advertising to finance that kind of thing. Anyway, um, at the time, when Joni Mitchell's Court and Spark came out, um, in 1974, that it, it was the kind of lead review in Let It Rock. And it was reviewed, unlike most of the records in Let It Rock, which were re reviewed by people like Charlie Murray and Charlie Gillett or whatever, you know, people you knew. This was reviewed by a guy you didn't know at all. It was a guy called Stephen Barnard. And, uh, and the final line of the review was, and it, it, it was, again, it's one of these lines that stuck with me, you know, rock is dead, long live popular music. 
Okay, so that stuck in my head. So when it came to time to write my my book about LPs, a fabulous creation, I wrote a chapter about 1974 and about it was a great year that produced uh, Randy Newman's Good Old Boys and Jenny Mitchell's Colton Spark. Uh, and and I think the title of the chapter was Rock is Dead, Long Road Popular Music, and I actually quoted this thing with Stephen Barnard, and uh, and, and never thought any more about it. Um, this week, so you know, quite a few years later, I was doing uh, I was doing an event at a bookshop in Hertfordshire, really nice bookshop in Letchworth called David's. I couldn't forget that, um, and I've done things there before, and they're very nice, and it's a really good place. And um, and I was uh, talking about my new book about Abbey Road, and uh, usual thing, you sign a few copies afterwards, you know, and the queue formed. You you always said to me, <laughs> yeah, watch out for the people at the back of the queue because they're always. The I do. I noticed that. <laughs> there are people. The person at the last person in the queue does it for a reason because they've got something to say to you. They yeah. want to have a conversation which they don't want to have interrupted. Yeah. But anyway, I can see probably where this is going. Yeah, God, this is great. So uh, you know, he th- 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 this guy wasn't at the end of the queue, but anyway, he was far, halfway back in the queue, and he came to the, as he got there. He, he said, uh, "Thank you very much." He said, "You quoted me in one of your books." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yes, I'm Stephen Barnard who wrote that." Book. That's fantastic. Uh, and he said, I didn't know at all until he was reading the book, A Fabulous Creation. Yeah, it got did you credit through. him when you said yes. it? Or, yes, yeah, you did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But he was halfway through the book and reading it, and then suddenly went, crikey, I'm in this book. That's <laughs> fantastic. And then came along. So I thought that was... Uh, I was very glad he did. That's know. a lovely story. It's nice, isn't it? You know? it? He would have been so thrilled. Did he carry on writing reviews or was that I just a kind of actually, one-off? I didn't actually ask him. He said he was very young at the time and he either Charlie Gillett was in charge of doling out the reviews for Let It Rock. Yeah. And that Charlie, I think he said he was only 16, 17 at the time. And that Charlie said, go on, you do this. And you can imagine Charlie doing that. Oh, he would have done, and, yeah, yeah. And... Um, you know, because reviews editors, it made me think, you know, reviews editors are always caught between wanting to use the old reliables because they're reliable. You know, they'll they'll deliver on time. Yeah. But also just wanted to get new voices in there all the time, aren't they? You know? Yeah. And so, and so shake will, up the old guard. Yeah, absolutely. And they will tend to try a 16-year-old or, you know, somebody with, with no kind of CV or anything like that. And so he must have done that in that spirit. And so he he said, I only did it for a while. And um, But, it, you know, in a way, he's kind of, he's one of those people who's famous via the music press, if only in a small way. Absolutely. Because I remember him. You know? I know. And, uh, you know, if you, if you ever wrote a review in the NME or any of those titles... Somebody somewhere will remember you because the person you wrote the review about... They, they will have probably cut it out. It might still be on their fridge. Yes. <laughs> it's quite possible. Or their I mean, mother... mentioned the press they ever got. Or their mothers will have... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Time. Was it... You know, we were thinking about this. When we were talking to Claire Grogan some while ago, beginning of lockdown, I think, when we did a kind of word in your attic with Claire Grogan. And she, I think her mother had died. I think that's correct, I think. And so she'd been involved in clearing out, you know, stuff from the old family home. And then she found um, 
load of old clippings about I know about her lovely, and alternate images and so forth. But exactly the same thing happened with David Baddiel. This is what I was going to say. Dad died. Did you see? I don't know if you follow him, but I, I, I saw it. Very, very good. And he suddenly said, "I can really touch." They never mentioned this at the time, and they had all these things about him and. Uh, Newman, I think, was it? Newman and Medeal and their yeah, yeah, gigs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was just terribly moved by it. It was so Because it is, it is a fact. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, your biggest fan is your mum. Yeah. It's just as simple as that, isn't it? You know, she's the person who never goes off you. So let that be a lesson to you all. When I was the editor of Smash Hits, my mum used to occasionally wear the free promotional badges <laughs> that we put on the front. And her favourite one was Simple Minds, which she thought just somehow applied to her. <laughs> she used to go to shops hoping that someone would comment. And if they commented, uh, she'd go, oh, yes, well, it's a, it's a free badge on, on the cover of the magazine that my son edits. <laughs> it would be her way of starting a conversation. Very touching. My mother used to go into the local newsagent and she didn't buy them. She just used to look yeah. in whatever I was writing for to see if I was still there. And when I was, uh, <clears throat> after I'd been editor of Smash Hits and then was subsequently editorial director, my mother looked on the masthead and saw I was no longer editor. And she kind of rang me up and said, is everything all right? Oh, that's great. <laughs> 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 no, you've been demoted somehow. You've been kicked upstairs to editorial director. See, that's what, the other truth is, that's what mothers always fear, actually, yeah. in, any, in any sphere, actually. I mean, what we've discussed this before, what the hell must it be like being the parent of a kind of top footballer or you know, tennis player or whatever and watching them either succeed or fail in the most public glare. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, and see the, 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 the press turn against oh, them. And, oh, it must be absolutely miserable. And knowing also that if they're an athlete, that it's, a, you know, it's only a relatively short space of time they've got to, uh, to, to operate anyway. Yeah. yeah Grim. Yeah. That's why we never did it. That's right. We could have done so easily. Absolutely. I could have been a judge if it wasn't for the Latin. <laughs> the Word Podcast. Prime cuts of popular culture served fresh each week. So another thing from my trip up north this weekend, um, took a very busy train from King's Cross on Friday afternoon, really packed, day before rail strike and so forth. Um, and, um, and a figure came down the, uh, the carriage, went down the other end and then came back. And I think, I think I was the only person who clocked this individual who was wearing a very sophisticated pair of sunglasses that allowed you to see a certain amount of her face, but, but not the kind of... Oh, this is good. Was she a musician? Is she a musician? Well, it's certainly, yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Can so I possibly I guess... I think I was the only person, certainly in my carriage, I had to draw it to my wife's attention. Uh, who this was and she then had a look when she came back and said yes you're absolutely right it is and this was a person who mark let's say 10 15 years ago was one of the most famous people in the world okay coming down an intercity train going the spice girl yes no Scary Spice. No kidding. Scary Spice. You're absolutely correct. Incredible. I mean, which I thought was kind of incredible. In and that nobody recognised her. That nobody recognised her apart from me. <laughs> Although somebody wearing sunglasses on a train early in the morning uses indications. Well, it wasn't particularly. I, it was sunny. It was a very bright, oh, okay. shiny day. So it was quite, quite admissible, really, to wear 
to wear sunglasses. They were the kind of sunglasses that had a kind of dark area over the eyes, but the rest of it was uh, you, you could see through. Um, and it was, and she comes from Leeds, doesn't she? I think she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's amazing. So, so there you are. Okay. King what Crimson. a weekend. What a weekend of stars. King Crimson. I was only going to mention King Crimson because actually, funny enough, I've got an email from someone who hadn't um, been in touch with for two or three years, actually. He said, oh, I don't know what you'll be up to right now. You're probably sitting there listening to In the Court of the Crimson King by King Crimson. And you know, weirdly, I was. I was quite spooked out. God. <laughs> I thought by that predictable. No, I was for the simple reason that I've just been sent a, a new documentary that's coming out uh, called In the Court of the, uh, of the Crimson King by a guy called Toby Ames. And he said to me, I thought it was really interesting. It made me think, what an extraordinary group King Crimson are. There is no band like them on God's green earth. Don't you think? You know, they've been oh, yeah. going for 53 years. They've never broken up. They've had a couple of hiatuses where Robert uh, Fripp has said that the switch has been set to off. But the whole point of the group, totally unlike any other group, really, I think, that I could think of, with maybe one or two exceptions, which we can talk about in a moment, um, was that it's, it's there to keep evolving. You know, it's to keep new members and keep producing new music and keep trying new stuff. So therefore, it must be one of the very rare examples of a group that people go to see where they're as interested, if not more interested, actually, in hearing the new music no, that's really true. than they are in the old music, which is a bit... I mean, obviously, they do play 21st century skits, I mean, and that's great, but, I mean, I don't think that's the point of it at all. And I thought that was interesting. Robert Frith's the only real constant in the group. There's an amazing story in it where MacDonald and Giles left, I think, really, really early, maybe yeah, in 1969. Did, and he's so heartbroken, and MacDonald still regrets it. And he's interviewed, and he's almost in tears. He said, I really regret leaving. And I want to apologise to Robert that I broke your heart and just tell you I'm sorry. And I thought, this is incredible, the amount of emotion. Back they, the, imagine uh, that, regretting it still after how many, what, 53 years? They left during an American tour, didn't That's they? That's right, they did. And it was it was the kind of breakthrough in the United States. It was, and uh, and they announced they were leaving. Yeah, you know, uh, which was so early in the day, wasn't it? Oh, they'd yeah. only been in the group yeah, less than a year. Yeah, I think. I think it was just the experience of touring. They didn't like it. They did couldn't they? bear it, and they were going to go on tour in Japan and Europe afterwards. They just couldn't stand it. And one of them, I think, it's Mel Collins, who's still in the group, he was talking about how. In the early days, he said it wasn't much fun. If you made a mistake, it was the end of the world. You could imagine, because there's a certain element of James Brown about uh, yeah. about Robert Fripp, yeah. you know, not quite finding people for bum notes, but not far off. And it's also interesting that Fripp himself is a really cold fish, actually. I mean, he's obviously quite a warm and humorous guy. You and I have talked about and seen those clips that he and his wife Toya do, you know, we did during lockdown, you know, in their kitchens, <laughs> dressed up in tutus and playing the guitar. They're fantastic. He's obviously a very funny guy. But, I mean, it's quite a serious environment. And he's not at all warm to the fans. In fact, he's quite critical of the fans and quite sneering and very controlling and they're not allowed to film and they're not allowed to take photographs, which I actually have to say I Good. approve of, actually. Really? But there we are. Yeah, but they don't mind that. They accept that he's just Rob being Robert, you know. And I just thought, I did think it was, and they play at one point, they talked about how they play in, uh, with three different members of the group playing in three different time signatures. And you think, this is so rarefied and so complicated. And I couldn't think if there were any other groups like, well, are there any other examples? Sun Ra is a possible thing, but they're not, it's not quite the same scale. Beef Art, to some extent, Beef Art was interested in new members and producing new music. Soft Machine, maybe. But otherwise, I couldn't think of another group who were purely a kind of art form like this band. No. Do you know what I mean? And the, the people are rushing to get there and there's no one...
sit there saying, oh, did they play so-and-so from the 1971 album? They just want to see whatever it is they want I, to do. I suppose it's, that's the virtue of never having really had hits. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not like you do your hits that everybody sings along with and then everybody's slightly disappointed with whatever comes yeah. next because you can't sing along with it. Yeah. Whereas there's a certain amount of, you know, King Crimson was just a very rigorous concept, wasn't it, from day one. And the only yeah. people the only people who ever got on the King Crimson bus were the people who warmed to that idea of that rigour. You know, Completely, and it's about discipline. A bit more rigour. Fine, we're in we're in the market. For it's that. about discipline to the extent that Robert Fripp practices five hours a day. God, can you imagine five hours a day? And he was showing is you know still, some of the really that's complicated. Amazing. It's ast- yeah to this day. Yeah, that I mean, is longer. That is longer than Jacqueline Dupre used to practice. No, no. Five hours, and he said, and the interviewer says, "Well, you know, do, do people notice?" He said, "Well, they, they wouldn't notice any improvement in a week or two's time, but in a year's time." They might notice that I'm able to play things I might not have been able to play before. You think that's astonishing, really? That kind of that kind of discipline, that kind of rigor—it's just a just a, a absolutely otherworldly. I thought it's extraordinary. I, I, I recommend it. I mean, I think it's out in cinemas and out to stream very soon. Yeah, it's by a guy called Toby Amy's, uh, and it's called In the Court of the. Crimson, Crimson King. King, which is very hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> Easy for you to say in the court of the Crimson King. Precisely. So I, I don't know which golfer it was who said it, but you know, talking about the practice, he said, The harder I practice, the luckier I get. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So welcome to our birthday guest uh, this week. One of our birthday guests this week, Paul Cook. Paul, is it your birthday today? No, it's a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right. Sorry, we only just got around to fitting you in. <laughs> How is it there? That's yeah, terrible, like it, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a festival of birthdays. It goes yeah. on. You know, it's like the sovereign. You have a real one and you have an official one. And all well, also, when you, this is the third year. So, of course, in the first two years, I've said all the most exciting things that ever happened to me. And, of course, that's it, really. So this could be quite a short conversation. <laughs> Surely something has happened to you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so have you got an agenda question or yes. what, what have you got? Go uh, on. Uh, I was thinking, it actually occurred to me over the weekend that I, I was doing some clearing out um, in lieu of potentially moving. And um, I came across a whole stack of posters, you know, memorabilia and various bits and pieces. And I was trying to think, we've got loads of frame stuff in the hallway. And, and I was thinking two things, one about memorabilia in general, and one about um, souvenir gig posters. And I, I wondered if you knew when souvenir gig posters became a thing. Because now you go to a gig and you have these wonderful silk screen printed posters that have the dates on them, or even often I've got ones from just specific gigs. And it seems like a very labour intensive thing to sell at a gig. I can't, God, do, do I remember them being sold back in the day? No, I no, don't. No, do you know, really. I, I remember. They, they were made for fly posting, weren't they, really? Yeah. And your standard. London gig poster, you know, because if you're a promoter, what you had to pay a fly poster to go around sticking these things on yeah, illegally. Still do. Mm. Yeah, do they still do that? Yeah. I, I can remember on Q magazine, it must have been about 67, 68, 69 or something, giving away a free poster, which we got from John Savage. And uh, John Savage, the, the music journalist, was, was already collecting these things. And and I don't remember it being a thing then, do you, Dave? We just no, thought, well, that'd be interesting. Th- let's just... Let's just Try this out and see if people put it on their wall as a kind of grown-up hip version of kind of teenage, mm. you know. You know I, I, I think it started that stuff started to be marketed to the general audience. Yeah, probably in the eighties, 
Um, because people like John would have had that stuff, but John was kind of ahead of the game with that kind yeah. of stuff. But but Bill Graham, the the promoter, um, uh, he'd, he his company Winterland started selling reproductions of old family dog posters from the Avalon Ballroom in in San Francisco in 1967, oh. featuring mm. either those charlatans or you know Jefferson Airplane or yeah. that kind of stuff, which yeah. had fantastic artwork. Didn't Absolutely, they were the really psychedelic right. ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was the stuff. Be- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I guess I mean, that in those days, that was their main form of publicizing anything was mm. to get somebody's groovy friend to do a groovy illustration. <laughs> and obviously there was no social media, there was no media that you could do that stuff through. So that's what they did. Yeah, I and think of is- Robert Robert Crumb did all those illustrations for jazz artists um, alongside doing his underground comics. Yeah, but, but I never aware that you could buy them. Which is how he got the job no. for the Janis Joplin, wasn't it, I think, uh, that someone had seen those beautiful old jazz sleeves he'd done. Mm. Yeah, I, I I went to a couple of years ago. I went to uh, an, an afternoon with Robert Crumb at a cinema in the East End, <laughs> yeah. and God, it was interesting. And uh, and there he was, surrounded by young art students who all revered him, but were aware of the fact that they ought to disapprove of him. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. 
because all his works have got huge breasted women. Oh yeah, and, yeah, enormous, enormous backsides, yes. and, backsides, and, yeah. and all sorts yeah, yeah. of sexual shenanigans going on. I and know, so I know. He, he was asked about these. Is the original uncle disgusting? Yeah, he was <laughs> asked about these things, and uh, and I think they thought he was going to apologise. <laughs> But like, he didn't. Yeah. He just sat there, this strange, emaciated figure, wearing a pork pie hat, smoking the, all the way. There's through. a great, there's go, a great go, documentary go. I'm about. Sorry, him. there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. that's me. different times. Hashtag. Different no, times. That's right, yeah. his attitude was. It's not different times. His attitude was. That's me. And yeah. that's oh, true, because yeah. yeah. that is who he is. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't be interesting if he didn't do that. You know. Yes, there's a there's a great documentary about him. I think came out on Artificial oh, yes. Eye. And that's uh, where his mother is just covered in cats, um, oh, God, and yeah. it's like the I mean, you can you can smell the room, yeah. even though it's on video. Um, he, he's I'm genu sure. genuinely weird, Robert Crumb. He's not art school weird. He's genuinely weird. Yeah, no, he he has many filias, I believe. <laughs> oh yeah, I would. I wouldn't be surprised. Absolutely. So, are, are you taking your posters to your new home? Oh, we're not moving yet, but yeah, this was one of the things is like, do I keep this? Do I, I mean, some of these, these are unframed. So the framed ones right. are in the hallway, right. but yeah. it's like, do we get this through? Why are you getting these frames? What are you demonstrating? Are you showing, Hey, look at me. I was at this gig four years before anybody heard about this band, that, that kind of thing, you know, because I was thinking also about things like set lists and that kind of memorabilia. And uh, we thought set lists are never very exciting, are they? Unless you were there, because they're just a list of names, aren't they? There's nothing, there's nothing illustrated. And also, it's probably unintelligible. It looks like yeah, Doctor's yeah, yeah. handwriting. Well, they're, they're often just in code, aren't they? They're just one word for each song. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, in fact, and I looked up some of the memorabilia, and there's a handwritten Beatles set list that went for half a million. Half a million. Half a million. I, I can't. I just cannot believe that. I, I, I mean, no, I, I just couldn't have done. I mean, it was on the internet, so it must be real. <laughs> That's just absolutely impossible. Whereas you get a Nirvana set list of a snip for five thousand six hundred and twenty-five pounds. Yeah, that's more like it. I mean, half a million. In fact, I'll ask you. You can get half a million for an acetate of the Beatles. Absolutely. So, uh, how much do you think for the Sergeant Pepper drumhead? Oh, well, as on the, mm, the original, on the cover. Yeah. Oh my goodness me, that would be a lot of money. I don't know. That's a lot of money. Does it oh, exist? Sorry, yeah, I, it's apparently. Still yeah, apparently. How much gone? Uh, half a million. That's yeah. like you see, that is that's quite that's reasonable. That's a thing, though, isn't it? It's, it's a thing, that's and you can real, put it on your wall, and, and you can point to the album cover and say, "Look, it's that's it there." It's jam. You could, if you had that in a museum, it, exactly, that would that would get people beating a path to your door. You, you would come and look at that. You yeah, would. I mean, that's it, why museums buy this stuff. If you found a notebook from the 1950s that was unused, you could probably write a ton of your own set lists from the Beatles yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and if you got ink from the time. But. Well, I don't wish to you know, cast any aspersions on the unimpeachable uh, honesty of Don McLean, but, <laughs> but the fact that he sold the lyrics of American Pie for a million dollars and then a week later really? discovered... God, guess what I've just found in the ass? <laughs> <laughs> you think I should have cleared out before? This was I the know, second draft. No, he had, Vincent, he had Vincent, his other big hit. He yeah. had sold that as well for not quite so much. I mean, yeah. 
and now you can sell you the rights of your likeness as bruce willis did which is um oh right yes well but you're still not owning julie andrew's guitar from the sound of music for thirty-seven thousand five hundred pounds see that's quite that's reasonable. cheap that's, that's absolutely I mean, unbelievable i think we could club together and get that for the uh you know for the one of the backgrounds for the two yeah, of you that, that <laughs> seems a very very good deal to me yeah. but well, there's a lot of, of them we had some people at the weekend in a, in a pub, and they were like uh, old punks. Uh, they put on a, a combination of Bay City Rollers and X-ray Specs on the on the jukebox, and they were. We got talking to them, and one of them had Dave Vanyan's shoe. Wait, just one, just, just one shoe. Just one. So he couldn't yeah. even wear the pair of shoes to a party and say, "I'm." Gonna... No, just there it is. You know, it was like a shiny, pointy dress well, shoe. How like... do you get one shoe as well? Yeah. I mean, does it? Does it... Uh, I think it made its way from the stage into the audience at some point during a gig, uh, as okay. opposed to I think running up to Dave Vanyan on the street, just grabbing a shoe and running off, which would yeah. uh, obviously yeah. be theft. Did he have it with him on this occasion? He did not, unfortunately. Oh, right. I mean, I, I would like to think that he wore it round his neck like a yeah, necklace, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was yeah, Dave Vanyan's shoe. That's so you said you had another log to throw on the fire. Well, no, the other thing is it's only because obviously you talk about sort of what happened in the last year, but I realised that one of the things that happened this year is I do... Um, uh, I start, accidentally started something uh, on March the 20th, uh, 2020, or March 2020, um, where I, well, I was furloughed, and so I, I, you know, did one of those very silly jokes uh, where I put my head on some oak couture and said uh, uh, on Facebook, you know, it's nice to be able to work at home so you can wear your own clothes, and uh, you know, there was me in full ball gown, right. and that kind of grew into something which has now had like 500 posts, but. On the centenary posts, I do a cover version. Um, I mean, it doesn't really work in this. I've movie. seen this. I think you sent the link, didn't you? I sent the link to, to yeah, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope you were able to but still Bowie's sleep. fashion, is that right? ZZ yeah, I did, tops, I've done fashion. dressed man. Yeah, I did do I Love a Man in Uniform, but then uh, the Russians invaded Ukraine. Um, it's, not, it's, so, not it? it really, <laughs> it's not funny anymore, is it? It really suddenly was just not funny, having recorded it and got all the people to sing backing vocals. But, I mean, I would encourage people to have a look if they wanted to, to you know. If we shall post the of, link. We'll post yeah. the link. Very good. If they Very want to scare their time. kids, you know, to grow up to be more sensible adults, then it's probably worth a look. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <coughs> well, look, Paul, thanks very much for joining us. And happy birthday oh, as gosh. of two weeks ago. Thank um, you very much. See you in just under a year's time. <laughs> not before. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. Yes. The yeah. Word Podcast. Fix yourself a drink and it's like being in the pub. It's another uh, it's a birthday special. And uh, we're joined by Steve Cabin. Steve, it's not your, but I think it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? But it's yeah. your 30th wedding anniversary. It is, and also my wife's birthday, yes. Very good, Fantastic, yeah. congratulations. So, so we'll celebrate those Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And you've got, got you various got, things to offer us. You've got a stank waddy game. I have, yes. Go yes. on. Okay, so the following are all ridiculous song titles by the band Budgie. <laughs> oh, Lord. Except for one, which I've made up. Okay. Uh, go on. <laughs> okay, so um, if I was Britannia, I'd waive the rules. Right. Um, hot as a docker's armpit. You're the biggest thing since powdered milk. Uh, crash course in brain surgery. Virgin, virgin, on the ridiculous. In the grip of a tire fitter's hand. And Napoleon Boner, parts one and two. Oh, oh that's good. 
Well, Powder milk's I, real, isn't it? That's if, I were Britan- if I were Britannia, I'd weigh the rules. I think is is a title of one of their albums, isn't it? It is, yes. I, I yeah. Um, Virgin uh, on the Ridiculous is also of the time. Powdered milk, those are real, I'm absolutely sure. Right. What was the Napoleon Bonaparte one again? Napoleon Bonaparte one and two. That's not made up. That, that got to be real. No, that is real, yeah. So what does that leave us with? Uh, in the grip of a tire fitter's hand, uh, crash course in brain surgery, and uh, hot as a docker's armpit, and you're the biggest thing since powdered milk. I'm sure powdered milk is real. Hot, hot as a docker's armpit sounds real too. They're, they're of that time, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Is this the great Burke Shelley we're talking about, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you may we, have to tell us. Go on. Give it, yeah, we give in. We it's give in. Virgin on the Ridiculous is All right. Oh, right, it's okay. a caravan song. Oh, right. Oh, very good. He's very good. confused. Very yeah, good. Yeah. Very good. So what well, have you? What have you? agenda item have you got for us well, this week? Well, the agenda item I had was um, I wanted to know what the biggest disappointment you've had. Um, in, in <laughs> People always want you to know. <laughs> always, it's not who's the most exciting person you've ever met. No, no, no. <laughs> well, in, in, in the, can I give you an example? Um, uh, my... Uh, we used to live in New Zealand. My wife um, was uh, general manager of the children's hospital there. Now, when uh, Keith Richards fell out of the tree and needed brain surgery, they flew him to Auckland. And uh, my wife's um, pediatric um, brain surgeon was the guy, Andrew, a guy called Andrew Law, who did the operation on, on Keith. And we were fairly friendly with Andrew. And obviously, Donna's part of Donna's job was looking after Andrew making sure he's happy, you know, because um, uh, obviously a very stressful job um, working on children's stuff. Anyway, one day he, he rang up and said, "Would you, would you and uh, Steve like to go for lunch with Keith Richards? We're taking him up uh, up to the Bay of Islands in in, uh, in New Zealand. Oh, I've been there. It's a lovely place. Yeah, and uh, this is on the Sunday lunchtime. Would you like to come up? There'd just be five of us." And I was like, for, so this was on the Friday. So for a whole day, I was walking around, pacing, thinking, what am I going to talk to him about? You know, <laughs> you know, these are the, this is the guy, you know, I poured over his album, you know, the Rolling Stones albums, or, you know, I know, the, all the songs I know intimately. And I'm finally going to meet him face to face. Anyway, at the last minute, it was, uh, we got a call saying, oh, he's decided he doesn't want to go. So, <laughs> There's a surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you'd anyway, spent weeks researching. Well, you know, <laughs> probably had a list of conversational topics in your back pocket, you know. I had 36 <laughs> Yeah, think about it, really. And, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that would have been uh, amazing, but didn't happen. Another one, uh, just quickly, is that we were, um, in New Zealand, they have uh, New Zealand Music Month, which is every May. And uh, at the time, I was working for a, um, uh, a retail chain in New Zealand, and we were doing um, a series of concerts at a bar called The Whiskey. Uh, now, this, this bar basically holds about 40 to 50 people. And the owner decided he was going to have a, a gig every night during May with New Zealand bands on, or anybody could get on, basically. So we were discussing this with Sony, and they and and Bob Dylan happened to be in town, and they said to him, "We said to him, I don't suppose you could ask Bob if he'd like to do it." And so they did, and he said, uh, "Yes, he would like to do it as long as nobody knew it was going to be him." 
right? So you couldn't announce it. No, cool. And, um, That's astonishing, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazed. He was playing the Enormo Dome uh, and also a smaller theatre, which I went to. Why do uh, I think this is heading for catastrophe, too? Yeah. I don't know. But just it's, so, so we had a week before the, it was supposed to be, you know, sort of, uh, it was on a Wednesday night that he was going to come and play it. And, it, you know, we kept bringing Sony, in, you know, are you sure this is going to happen? We haven't talked to the manager. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, his management said that it'd be quite a good thing to do. Of course, it, at the last minute, they had to get security in to make sure that it was going to be kosher to get in and out of, the, out of this, this ball play. Of course it wasn't, because there was only one door that went in and one door that went out. And if it all sort of went a bit pear-shaped, his security were a bit worried about... Um, old Bob being able to get out. So, <laughs> so yeah. that's the kind of thing I'm thinking about, you know, you know, for that week, you know, we, I was going to see Bob Dylan in front of uh, people. You know? I mean, if it's any comfort, um, I think it must be the case that on any, any given day, 10 people are expecting to meet famous people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nine of them are disappointed. Yeah. Because that's how it works with those yeah. kind of people. I mean, I did. Like they have it. more things lined up for them yeah, yeah. than they will do. It's yeah, yeah, just yeah. a fact. And and you, you have to give Bob loads of options, and then Bob can choose it. Or no, yeah. I'm going to lie in bed. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which is Keith's option. I did, I did later meet him when they played uh, uh, a couple of years afterwards. Keith. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, it was very nice. Yeah. There's the beginnings of a book there. I almost had lunch. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. If it's any conversation, also, Dave did interview Bob Dylan once. And at one point, he got up and said to his PR, he said, it's going OK, but this guy just keeps asking me all these questions. <laughs> so I thought it was lovely. At the, so, begin uh, at the beginning of lockdown, um, and it was Friday, March 13th, I think, I was supposed to have breakfast with the actor Colin Firth yes. at the Connaught Hotel. Yes. Very grand hotel, very grand actor. Yeah. My wife was thrilled to bits that I was going to have <laughs> breakfast yeah. with Colin Firth. And frankly, I was a bit, I was a bit yeah. thrilled. And of course, pandemic, COVID, yeah. we ended up doing a Zoom call. You know what I mean? And it's just... It's not the same, is it? It's not, <laughs> not really the same. the same. You can't We would have been Kedgeree, there would have been yeah. Kippers. You know. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Kippers. I know. <laughs> oh, well, bear up in the face of your disappointment, Steve. Yes, and, yes. Uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your, your, your wife's day. Yeah, yeah. And your, and your wedding anniversary. Well, The Word Podcast. Two cocoa tins and a piece of string. So, any other business? We're joined by Alex Gold. Uh, I read a correspondence. We were talking last week about um, band names and how they how they come about. Neil Davis got in touch. Um, he he liked this, and he talked he talked about when he was seventeen years old in the, the mid eighties on a school trip to London, staying in a hotel near Knightsbridge with some mates who had a band and wanted a name. And who should be in the hotel bar but Pete Wiley, who recently had a hit with "Come Back." Keith, as he says, Keith, uh, Pete clearly knows a, knows a thing or two about band, band, band names. Having yeah, he had about 18 different names for his own band, didn't he? So there you go. So, go on, Mark, you probably know him. Well, there was, there was Shambico Say Wah. There was Wah Heat. Wah Heat. 
Um, the mighty war. The mongrel war. Is that right? Might have been. Yeah, yeah. They, all sorts. Anyway, he got they got talking to him, and Pete yeah. Wiley, Pete Wiley said basically, if you buy me drinks, we I can help you, you know, invent a band name, and so you know, which is those were the days when rock stars gave boys under the under drinking age said, I'll buy you a drink, <laughs> and uh, and anyway, what they came up with was Norfolk and good, Norfolk and good. <laughs> It didn't really take, you know. No. But, uh, was that really worth a pint of uh, a pint of double diamond? I, I don't I, know. A pint of double <laughs> oh, there's uh, there's nostalgia. Not um, so. Have you got pen and paper? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are we being subjected so, to some yeah, kind of being quiz? Su- subjected to a quiz. Which been okay. Go on. Doing the rounds on the internet in the last week or so. You've got to give yourself one point for everything you haven't done. Okay. Oh, okay. I've seen this. It's really okay. good. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I right. know my answer to this. Yeah, go on. Okay. Go on, far away. So, uh, skipped school, number one. Have you done it or haven't you done it? Give yourself a point if you haven't done it. If you haven't done it, okay. If you haven't done it, yes. Broken a bone. Give yourself a point if you haven't done it. Everybody listening could do this as well. Yep. Fired a gun. Give yourself yep. a point if you haven't done it. Done drugs. Give yourself a point if you haven't done it. Been in a limo. Got a tattoo. Ridden a horse. Sung karaoke. Alex is, Alex. <laughs> Alex is not moving at all. <laughs> Got a ticket. <laughs> Let me see both your hands, Alex, above the paper. Does that then mean a speeding ticket or something? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's a ticket. Yeah, speeding yeah. ticket. Yeah. Been arrested. You never. Been, you have been arrested, Alex. Wow. No, no, I haven't actually. Yeah. No. Have you been zip go. zip lining, which is like what's it, isn't it? What do you call yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, bungee jumping. Yeah. Been on TV. Yes. Been on a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Can I get the minuses in? <laughs> got, got, got a piercing, smoked, met a celebrity, been skydiving, had a one night stand, skinny, <laughs> skinny dipped, been drunk. How? All right. What's your score, Alex Gold? Oh man, your score's gonna be naught, is it, Alex? You goes four. Four. Four that you haven't done. What are four, the four? Go on, tell us which of the four are. What are the four that you haven't done? Oh god I haven't been arrested. Go, All right, okay. I haven't I haven't got a piercing. All right. Have you gone zip lining? I haven't been skydiving. I haven't gone skydiving. Right. Um and I forgot what the other one was, but I haven't okay. done it. Zip lining was it? For sure. <laughs> tattoo? You got a tattoo? No, I've been yes. zip lining. You've got a tattoo. All right. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, Mark Ellen, what about My you? My score is six. I have wow. never skipped school. You've what? No, never. <laughs> never skipped school. Have I? No. What do you mean? As in, if you pretend to be ill Bunk when you're Bunk off. I must have done. I must have done. Sorry, ignore that. Five. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got a tattoo. Uh, I, although I did go to a tattoo parlour to get tattooed. In the moment, with this mate of mine, and it was closed. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. there you Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never been arrested. I've never been ziplining. I haven't got a piercing, and I uh, haven't been skydiving. So otherwise, the rest I'm afraid I've done. Have you sung karaoke? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, and an email. Our old what's publishers, you, one, of their, one of their parties. How about you? What's your score, Dave? 
What's your karaoke? Uh, what's your karaoke uh, go to? Like my mic's becoming und. Uh, okay. I've got a tattoo. I haven't sung karaoke because I absolutely refuse. Oh uh, right. I've been prepared to risk embarrassment in a public place rather than sing karaoke. Okay. okay. I have not been arrested. Uh, I've not been on a cruise. I haven't got a piercing, uh, and I haven't been skydiving or gone zip lining. Uh, yeah, okay. That's See, I've been on a cruise, but, but I've been on a cruise not as a cruise ship kind of passenger, but as part of the staff, giving a lecture, giving a talk. Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is perfectly legitimate, I think, but to have gone on a cruise otherwise, uh, slightly iffy. But it's good, though, isn't it? I've seen quite a few people who've done that. And yeah, it's... yeah. Uh, so talking to cruises, how's your cruise going, Alex? It's going all right. We've got two more weeks in Alaska, and then I've been extended a little bit, so I get to do the crossing. So down the um, the west coast, so San Fran, L.A., then the Mexican Riviera, as they call it, and then through the Panama Canal. Um, I think a quick cheeky stop at Guatemala because you've got to, haven't you, really? And yeah. then Cartagena in Colombia, and then up to Miami, and then I fly home. So uh, yeah, I'm quite happy about that. I bought some ankle socks today. That's the big news. Um, well, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting all, all my, all, well, I'm getting all my summer things because oh, I've, got, summer things, I, I've course, only yeah, packed yeah. for the cold because I, yeah, because yeah, I yeah, thought I was just going to be yeah. in the cold weather, but no. Yeah. So ne- next week it's shorts, and a week after it's sunnies. You know, I'm giving myself something to look forward to every week. You see, and uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's 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 small purchases for for sunshine, but it's going well. It's going. What shows are going good. So what 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 have we got coming up in the world of word in your ear? We just put out week, the but... Mark Cooper, haven't we? Which Mark is, uh, we've got Danny Baker we're doing next week, I think. Yes. Yeah. Which is very good. We're doing Jackie yeah. Abbott, yep. who's uh, from the beautiful South, etc. soon. So, yeah, various things. And uh, I, we can announce. We're doing a footballer, Dave. We won't announce who just yet, <laughs> but we are doing a football, which is very, very For, A former footballer. A former footballer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which will be really good. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, lots lots going on. So we got lots lined up, and so don't forget to subscribe and like in all the appropriate places. And if you haven't already done so, go to patreon.com slash word in your ear and see how you could become an even more valued member of our community. This podcast was brought to you by the word. Hey.